Hello and welcome on The Barricades. This is your most exciting political show produced by Eastern European journalist and academic. And this is your host, Maria Cernat. And with me, as usual, the co-host, Boyan Stanislavski. Thank you for being here with us. Right, thanks. Hello. And the special guest, Patricia, Patricia Gorky. I keep saying her name in Romania because she is from Romania. She works in tech companies in the United States and she analyzed for quite a while what's going on in this very exciting field of artificial intelligence, data collection, uh, artif- uh, the use of artificial intelligence by the military. And she's also an activist, a socialist, a member of the Party for Socialism and Liberation in the United States. Thank you for being here with us, Patricia. Thanks for having me on. So, um, Facebook. Facebook uh, is the latest scandal, one that keeps us very close to our uh, screens and very excited to see what's going on. Uh, There have been a lot of discussions around uh, social media, around their status. Are they responsible for the content that's being put on social media or are they not? In the United States, there is this section uh, that prevents platforms like Facebook, Twitter and others to be made responsible for the content that users put on these platforms. And it seems like this is going to be revisited by uh, the U.S. Congress, uh, and it's been uh, on their priorities for quite a while. We also saw that Facebook is kind of a monopoly that basically uses these formidable tools, technological tools to monopolize and to make algorithms that would prevent us from sharing rational content, but would make us as emotionally disbalanced as possible in order to share the most, and the algorithms are made that the most um, emotionally controversial content is being shared. From my perspective, Patricia, this is nothing new. When you have media that are built to make money and not to inform the public, you go for the most controversial, sensational, and the most emotionally disbalancing content. This is what television does. This is what radio does. This is what the tablet press is doing. And this is what the social media is doing. So what is new in this scandal? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? What's new in um, in the revelations that were put out by uh, Francis Haugen, the whistleblower from Facebook, um, is that for uh, for the first time we're seeing the internal documentation of Facebook um, as it's grappling with issues like uh, human trafficking um, and uh, and also the toxicity of Instagram for uh, for teen girls and boys for youth uh, for uh, for youth overall. It's been shown that Instagram is a toxic place and can have a negative effect. Um, on um, on people and on on youth in particular. Um, also revealed from some of the documents, we're showing Facebook's uh, real focus and intent on um, on targeting young people to join their platforms because young people is essentially where the opportunity for growth is, um, and uh, shows of all the different ways that they're looking of of um, not only of teens but also preteens, um, and then uh, then even younger than that, um, all the way up to uh, really from the time that you know a kid can uh, can operate a screen, um, and so what is um, 
what's what's noteworthy about this is that uh, we know Facebook is a um, platform that censors. It's a censorship platform. It was introducing algorithm that uh, determines uh, you know what gets shown on your feed based on what is uh, controversial or sparks engagement. And what sparks engagement or comments are arguments, are divisive content. And if at the same time, Facebook is demoting and, and censoring, hiding, um, hiding socialist content, hiding progressive content, that means that the only kind of content that's really going to rise is, uh, is the right wing. And that's why when you look at, for example, there's some uh, some um, outlets, I'm forgetting the name, but that they rank and they show like the top pages, uh, the top like 10 pages uh, from uh, or posts from Facebook uh, within the U.S. Or, or globally, and within the U.S., um, it's uh, it's figures like Ben Shapiro and other right wing uh, right wing pundits that um, that are often the the most um, I don't even want to say most popular, but most viewed and, and most uh, most engaged with posts. Um, and so the uh, you know I think a big thing about um, about this that that comes out. Uh, for me is that Facebook clearly has the ability to uh, to censor content, to identify and moderate content because it censors our content. Um, it censors content from Palestinians um, and transmits that to the Israeli government um, and the, the occupation forces. Uh, but what it doesn't do is go after these issues of toxicity for youth. It doesn't go after these issues of, of human trafficking, of people being sold as domestic servants, um, and that instead it, it really focuses on um, on the the censorship as well. Yeah, well, that's that's very sad, and also uh, there there was a prior scandal to that showing what can be easily seen in Romania and other places that they devote um, different type of resources to countries in the Western part of the world where they risk more in terms of regulation, in terms of um, fines, in terms of um, all sorts of public reactions. So they devote to what? human uh, resources to public relation to um, a timely manner of solving um, all sorts of requests from the public in the western part of the world while uh, if you live in places like Romania or I don't know Malaysia or other parts of the world that are deemed to be the global south and uh, deemed to be populated by second class citizens where Facebook doesn't risk the same kind of uh, financial problems, so to speak, with a broader term for what they can risk financially. So if you live there, then Facebook is going to pay less attention. So there are two types of customers. And this is very uh, interesting, isn't it? But this was revealed prior to that. So why was not there a scandal as big as this one? In terms of why, why, Perhaps that wasn't as picked up as by uh, by the Western media or uh, corporate owned media is, um, well, I'm sure there are a number of reasons, but probably the biggest one being racism. Uh, fundamentally, these you know these media platforms they're very uh, Western focused. They're um, uh, they paint the rest of the world and certainly the global South and developing countries with um, uh, with uh, racist brushes and overtones. Or Eastern Europe, for that matter. Or Eastern Europe. 
Exactly. And so to a certain extent, I mean, it, it's simply not their priority. Uh, for example, for the two years of, what was it, 2018 and 2019, and then I guess part of 2020, a big part of 2022, of all you saw in the U.S. media was about the Democratic primary and the elections. That was it. It was halfway into into Trump's presidency. And all that was shown on TV just about was, um, you know, either Russia or vote in the election in two years. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think the, the media in particular and, and what makes also social media such a, a potent um, avenue, potential potent avenue for, uh, for breaking through that, uh, breaking through that censorship is the ability to share information about the reality of what's, uh, what's happening. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, the, the whistleblower who came forward, of uh, has, uh, certainly has from view of, she's actually come out against encryption, uh, very, uh, I want to say unfortunate, but uh, but very uh, shows a very backwards uh, backwards view, um, and certainly one that's not in um, in the interest um, in the interest of people. Uh, but the the documents themselves, I think, reveal the system uh, that is made up within Facebook that makes up Facebook, um, and of how these different considerations are are brought forward. Um, and in fact, you know, there were some people who this came out from one of the uh, one of the documents. They worked on a number of like of changes that they would make to uh, to the algorithm or to parts of the website to uh, curb the tendency to reward outrage and lies. Zuckerberg, who has total control over uh, the product and, and really all aspects of that, he resisted some of the fixes because he was worried about how they might uh, they might hurt people being on the platform, and that shows also the. Uh, the banality, right, of capitalism, of the system that maximizes, lo looks to maximize profit, maximize engagement, because for these social media companies that uh, where they receive these billions um, in advertising revenue, the longer that you stay on their platform, the more money they make the more ads they can show you, uh, the more products that they can sell you, and the more money that goes uh, goes into their pockets. In the final uh, aftermath, you're just the raw material for them. Like, you're not really the proper consumer. You're just the raw material. The consumers are, you know, somewhere else. Exactly. And it, 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 gives, um, it gives them, it, it gives this, um, uh, this situation where essentially the more addictive that they can make their product, uh, the more money that they'll make. And I think one thing that was really telling and, and uh, was um, even during one of uh, one of the testimonies of Haugen, who, you know, she's bringing up these issues and uh, kind of regardless of, of perhaps some of her other like maybe contradictory positions or backwards positions. One of the things that she pointed out was that um, if you look at the elite Silicon Valley schools of where are they sending their kids, they're sending them to schools that have no tablets, where they have no social media where they have no digital devices, like pen and paper and wood, or, you know, these other kind of like very hands-on things. And the reason for that um, is, is because that there is a very clear understanding that screens, especially for kids, can be extremely harmful, um, if not used in, in very intentional ways, um, that these applications uh, like Facebook, like Instagram, uh, can be uh, addictive, can can change, uh, can even change the brain pattern of of youth, um, and that there is, um, you know, there there is really this uh, this this danger in the sense of 
kids getting caught up within this online world, within social media, um, and of where uh, where fundamentally they um, they are at the mercy, just as we all are, uh, but we're at the mercy of the uh, of the billionaires that run these social media platforms that choose what content we get to see. And as long as we live in this system where uh, where it's billionaires um, who are deciding the product that gets created, um, then there will be these uh, w- there will be these issues. There will be these uh, you know retrograde influences uh, influences on society. There will be these addictive apps that um, that these companies are making so that they can drive more more advertising profit. Um, and so you know there are a number of like regulations or so on that could be put on the terms of, of exploitation for how is, you know, how can Facebook legally extract our information so that they can then sell that to, uh, to these different companies, um, or the U S military or give it to, uh, give it to the police as well. Um, and that fundamentally of, uh, Facebook itself should be taken over of that. It's not right for, uh, for a U.S. based company to have a presence in just about every country in the world um, and impact people all over the world uh, while uh, having a completely opaque uh, system for showing and displaying that displaying that information. It's incredibly undemocratic. Yeah, and I would say that unfortunately, regulating Facebook and other platforms is not enough. There was a very interesting initiative in the American Congress to prove that Facebook is a monopoly and that the Congress should deal with that because that's the crux of the problem here, that they are a monopoly and the community standards is just laughable. They are the owner's standards. (laughs) Nobody asks, nobody in the community. And as you say, we see from the documents that not even top managers from Facebook have nothing to say on questions like the community standards, algorithms, and so on and so forth. So it's an extremely centralized uh, decision-making process. So how about, but unfortunately, uh, they were not able to, to show that Facebook is a monopoly. How come? I just want to say that it's, uh, I, I haven't heard of this initiative, but it's so obvious. I mean, it's interesting that you have to go through an investigation by the American Congress to establish that uh, Facebook is a monopoly. I mean, you know, everyone can see that. So uh, I, I don't quite understand how uh, they were unable to actually get to this conclusion. Uh, I mean, there's obviously, it's just lack of political will. And I, I'm even thinking that, perhaps this uh, person that came out now and is being celebrated uh, as the Facebook whistleblower and so on and so forth, I think it might uh, it, it might be so, and it's just a speculation, that part of the American uh, establishment class, that they actually want to, uh, to have some kind of confrontation with Facebook, because otherwise, normally whistleblowers are not so celebrated in the media. So uh, perhaps... Yes, you, just think you of Assange or Snowden... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Assange, Snowden, or uh, Chelsea Manning, even that's, uh, or John Kiriakou. I mean, there's so many names that we we can only hear uh, about or <clears throat> from some kind of alternative civic media. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I just made that point because I'd like you to perhaps uh, comment on that too. Yeah, absolutely, and and uh, you're very right in pointing out that that. Francis Haugen is not anywhere near uh, 
uh, Julian Assange, uh, who's facing extradition to the United States, you know, this absurd, this crime against humanity for revealing the crimes against humanity that the U.S. empire um, has put forward. Um, so this is this is not within the same uh, same league, e- even, you know, does not approach uh, the contribution of WikiLeaks that WikiLeaks has provided to, to the world. I also want to make an important distinction as well of, unfortunately, the documents, the full documents that has not been released to the public. Um, and that's something that is um, is unfortunate because just like the Snowden archives, which were uh, just about like one percent of that entire data set was ever um, ever released, um, so too um, this uh, this document set is also uh, being filtered through different uh, journalistic uh, or corporate media outlets, really. Um, and uh, so that part again is, is um, uh, I think highlights. Uh, part of the, the, the situation as well, or add some color. Uh, but in terms of, um, in terms of a monopoly, um, and of, of Facebook and in the investigation. Um, so, you know, earlier in, um, uh, last year, at some point last year, the federal trade commission, uh, within the U S um, actually in a number of States, like I think like 40 or 46 States, they accused uh, Facebook of freezing out competition. And of course, actually every major tech company does this. Anytime that there is a new uh, startup or new company that develops a certain product that perhaps competes or does a better job with, uh, with a certain aspect of a larger company, the larger company were generally by that company and, and integrate it into their system. And so it's, it's very much of business as usual, the mergers and acquisition. And that also, you know, comes back to the tend towards monopoly of, of capitalism that creates these, uh, enables the creation of these giant, uh, these giant systems. Um, and um, a monopoly, you know, when we look at what it is of, of um, as broadly a company or group having this exclusive control over a certain area of commercial activity um, and setting prices and in terms of use, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, for example, if there were a a community-run monopoly over electrical services or a state-run monopoly over uh, over water, over even over housing, of um, being able to set uh, set prices, being able to set uh, the terms and, and conditions, that's that's actually a good thing because that standardizes the process, um, and that um, that really means that inefficiencies can be identified and, and corrected on a large scale. But with a monopoly and under capitalism, what that uh, what that means is that you have one company that can essentially uh, dictate uh, dictate prices. And and in the U.S. in particular, there are really like I think two or three uh, internet service providers that they will provide the worst uh, worst internet service, um, and then you'll pay maybe fifty or a hundred bucks uh, bucks a month for that. Um, or other electrical electrical companies that um, uh, you know won't invest in the power grid, uh, like in California, um, the the private um, uh, private monopoly has uh, caused a number of fires, actually. But so uh, so Facebook monopoly on information, um, and what that what that looks like is that essentially you have one company, uh, one private company owned by uh, by billionaires that um, determine. Uh, determine what information we get to uh, we get to see. There's been some calls as well for that Facebook should be broken up, and I know that was a big part of of the discussion as well. Um, and uh, 
you know, sometimes uh, the, uh, the capitalists, they will choose to break up monopolies because at, at a certain point, they'll have a destabilizing effect of essentially you have like these giant, uh, giant companies. Um, and one example that we can look back to is, is in 1911, uh, John D. Rockefeller's Standard Oil Company. It was the largest in the world. And at that time, it was broken up into seven pieces because of the antitrust laws. But today, when you look at the different mergers and acquisitions and all of you know, the, the process that those the seven sisters have gone through, that, that breakup today includes ExxonMobil, Chevron, and BP, which were way larger than even than Standard Oil ever was. And so breaking up Facebook um, while keeping the economic system the same um, and the societal structure the same um, is, uh, I, I mean, it's not the solution. It's really, you know, cutting off one of the heads of the Hydra and only to have uh, have many more sprout in its place. And that what's really needed is uh, full transparency within, uh, within the algorithm. I mean, what's really, really needed um, is a complete takeover of, um, of Facebook, of an entirely different economic system uh, on, which, on which it's based. Um, uh, and, uh, and that fundamentally of, of transparency and, and control in, in terms of people being able to choose of, of what, uh, what, content, um, uh, what content should be shown. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But uh, coming back to this, um, to this, to the latest scandal uh, related to Facebook. Now, uh, there are some journalists who claim that this is not done in the best interest of the public, and this is justified among elites that basically want to censor Facebook, basically want to get a hold of it, not to transform it into what you said before, into a useful tool for the information of the public, of a public service provided for the citizens to get informed. So uh, what do you think about, is this just a power uh, game or how would you frame it? Well, the elites do censor Facebook because the elites run Facebook. Facebook is, I mean, it's owned and controlled by, uh, by one of the richest men in human history. Uh, and, uh, and certainly, you know, I think it was brought earlier of, of this really is a struggle between an internecine struggle, if you will, between the, the bourgeoisie or the, the, you know, those that, that own and control capital. Um, and they have different, uh, different interests in terms of how, uh, like the vision that, that they see forward. Um, and, uh, in terms of, you know, will the liberal side or the, the conservative side win out of, um, uh, fundamentally there, or even, you know, I don't, I don't even know if that's really the, the right way of framing, framing this part. Um, I, I mean, Zuckerberg himself, he actually had, um, had relatively close ties to the Trump white house. Uh, so there, uh, Facebook already is a tool of the government. Um, it, it takes down information at the uh, behest of the government of the U S government. Um, uh, it, um, uh, works hand in glove with the Israeli occupation to identify and arrest, uh, arrest Palestinians. Um, it, um, uh, it took down content after the U S assassination of general Soleimani, um, uh, Facebook and Instagram actually, uh, removed and banned people who were posting memorial images for Soleimani, who was a beloved and revered figure within Iran. Or, or let's bring up the Hunter Biden's laptop story, which was completely wiped out. 
from Facebook and and uh, you know all other social platforms, there was such a consensus that there's no talk about it at all. Like something that Joe Stalin could have only dreamt about this kind of censorship. You know? Well, I mean, this is capitalist censorship, right? right. They'll, just, uh, they'll they'll erase it, and I think that's the thing of that. It's it's not happening in some other country. It's not happening in the past. This is what is happening here. This is capitalism, um, uh, and of where uh, where they're able to erase information that's uh, that's inconvenient for our, uh, for them. Um, and so, in a, in a large extent, of Facebook really acts as um, an extension um, of the the state apparatus of the uh, you know the police. The, the military and so on, um, and it has this um, uh, this side effect almost that it also enables people to uh, to connect. Um, and so there's um, uh, you know I, I think it I think it's very good that um, that these discussions and, and this algorithm is being kind of dragged into into the light, um, and that um, that there needs to be you know of people of a movement of people um, and a people's movement for uh, for transparency in this because without that. Without that movement, then this does just become a discussion about which billionaire, or which uh, which side of the rich will uh, will prevail. Perhaps the one that want uh, complete censorship and and domination, or perhaps those that they, you know maybe want more uh, collaboration installments. You know, it's not not really clear, but but that that kind of shows of that that it's really an independent movement of of the people that um, uh, that needs to uh, needs to push this in um, in a new direction. And I, I do think that there's um, hope and, and room for optimism in the sense when we look at tech workers organizing um, and of a number of different cases of where uh, tech workers um, who do have you know, kind of this unique position um, are really seeing the effects of their work um, at Google, for example, in Project Nimbus, uh, which was this, uh, this plan to, uh, to use Google technology um, and Google workers uh, to contract and, and work with um, the Israeli military in occupation. Uh, there are tech workers organizing within Google right now to put a stop to that. Um, and I think similarly of um, why, what also comes out through the documents is that there are workers at Facebook who, um, who are really concerned about how uh, Facebook targets youth about how um, how Facebook um, ignores human trafficking um, and uh, and that uh, that the more that we can draw these connections of that you know we need transparency around the algorithm um, that um, uh, we need to have you know this if this is something that has uh, global reach and global impact then it also needs to have global input as well yeah I just uh, I would like to comment briefly on uh, the question of uh, of the owners of Facebook and other social platforms uh, having those ideological disputes. I think it's pretty important because uh, we hear more and more about how Facebook, how, for example, there are conservative alternatives to Facebook or to YouTube or to other social platforms created, which, you know, uh, it, it always strikes me because I never heard... Uh, any kind of declaration that Facebook or Twitter or whatever other social platform is liberal. I mean, th there is no declaration or stance like that, that we are liberal. And uh, and I think it's, uh, it, actually, it is a ray of hope. This, uh, this fact that the American uh, capitalist class is at each other's throats and uh, that was most visible during the presidency of Donald Trump but it's still uh now it's it's not so visible but it's still going on uh the 
the quarrel uh, within it. Uh, and uh, I think that it could be, uh, to a large extent at least, uh, a, a sort of power game in a sense that uh, some there are probably sectors of the American uh, of the American ruling class which do want to exercise more more control over people like Zuckerberg or I don't know Elon Musk or other you know celebrities of the Silicon Valley, and it might be just that they are uh, by allowing this kind of whistleblower uh, whistleblow kind of official whistleblowing how to say that like establishment whistleblowing that we can see right now, where we have someone who is being invited to uh, all media outlets giving interviews left right and center. And uh, basically repeating things that we already know, like, for example, the question of toxicity of Instagram. Well, I've heard about it first time, I think, I don't know, four years ago or five years ago. And I'm talking about major studies, not just like someone commenting and, and having an observation, private observation that it's toxic. And also uh, I, on the question of, of addiction and this emotional disbalancing of society, something that you, Maria, began uh, with uh, this segment. I think it's very important to also notice the uh, the, the the systemic frame uh, because I I think that capitalism in general is trying to monetize on people's emotions now. It's like it's very convenient for them because you can have all those uh, nonsensical arguments on Facebook or other social media platforms, Twitter wars, which is something absolutely pathetic when you see. You know, uh, people with reputation, right? Like I don't know, journalists uh, or, or important politicians, uh, kind of quarreling in a in an absolutely vulgar manner, <laughs> like you know, sort of stripping themselves of the authority that they've gained over the years. It's uh, so it's something uh, that I have the feeling is perhaps uh, sort of getting a little bit out of control. And uh, the question of toxicity, in my opinion, and I'm no sociologist, no social media expert or anything, um, you know, even remotely close to all those things, but there's one thing that could easily change the nature of it, which is taking off the evaluation. Like, if you take off the possibility of liking and, and reacting and, and collecting likes, that would be a revolution because, you know, people would be just posting their opinions and uh, they wouldn't be getting those dopamine shots every time they receive uh -huh. likes and, and, and things like that. Uh, of course, there's the, then there's the question of regulation of how people, you know, discuss and so on and so forth. But uh, again, you know, this is something that should be done by the community, not by those, those artificial community standards. I, I mean, it's such, it's such a lie. It's such a blatant lie. What community? There is no community. Facebook disrupts communities. Facebook destroys communities. Facebook destroys families and organizations. I mean, I've heard each, each and every one of us, I'm sure, did, like of families or, or, you know, friendships broken because of Facebook quarrels right so uh uh let alone you know leftist politics and stuff like that <laughs> because it's even you know i don't even want to go there right now because it's a whole different show but uh you know there is no community and and those social media even the name is is lifeful they they are not social media they are anti-social media and that's what they should be referred to as 
One thing, uh, one thing I'll add, um, because I think, uh, you know, I think that part is so interesting of, of different exploring different ways of how, uh, how Facebook could be, could be restructured. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of, uh, really interesting ideas that, um, that could be brought forward and that should be brought forward. Um, and fundamentally the real issue is who's making the decisions. It's Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, they have hired neuroscientists, um, they hire, and it's not just Facebook, it's, uh, it's Google, it's, it's all of these tech companies. They hire the, uh, the most advanced, I mean, you know, the, the interview process to get into these companies is rigorous. It's, you know, you have to go through all these different uh, interview sets, different questions uh, to test, uh, test your knowledge. Um, and um, and they, hire, they hire people with PhDs uh, who've done extensive research on the human understanding and, um, and that dopamine cycle. Um, and that's kind of, that's the thing, right, is, is under capitalism, you have the best minds of the society working on how to make these apps just a little more addictive, just a little more to pull you in and keep you in. And instead of looking at how can we, understanding the human brain and, and how, um, how people interact, how, what social interactions are healthy, which ones are unhealthy, instead of using that and using a, a rational basis um, as the, the foundation for that, of instead it's, it's how, do we increase, how do we increase people staying on the site um, that much longer. Um, and um, I think one thing that is very interesting when we look to the example of China um, and the uh, the steps that the Chinese government has taken towards um, this is not on social media, but video games, and of limiting the amount of time that that children can spend on video games, and putting the onus on companies, um, on the video game companies, and and telling them essentially, you need to make sure uh, that children under fourteen are only spending up to I think it's like maybe two hours a day or a weekend. Yeah, and China is being called out authoritarian and totalitarian for that. Of course, of course, because authoritarian means only when you protect children and you censor content provided to children, you cannot be responsible. You are authoritarian, of course. What, what is more authoritarian than, uh, than exposing kids to these addicting platforms so that, uh, that these billionaires can just get even more richer and grow their billions upon billions? I mean, what is more authoritarian than that? Uh, or to live, live in a society where half the population is in poverty, where 60% you're has been made. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, want to say, I will also want to add that uh, last year I read a study where uh, there was a comparison between, and just to speak about the effects of such policy okay such policy because uh in th there was this comparison between what western youth and chinese youth uh dreams about in terms of uh, what they would be in the future what they would like to be in the future and uh, you know when they spoke to chinese children they wanted to become astronauts they wanted to become scientists they wanted to become i don't know uh, to discover something major for humanity. Uh, they wanted to become engineers and so on and so forth. Whereas Western youth, okay, they're equivalent in the West. They wanted to become Instagram influencers. They wanted to become YouTubers. They wanted, you know, which is such a civilizational gap, okay? I mean, we're talking about a, like a disastrous effect on the West, in the West that uh, th this anti-social media have had. And it's visible for everyone, 
all right? Yes, yes, and no I would add the, the even the gender uh, element here because same uh, same kind of studies have been conducted on uh, students. Uh, you're referring to the Western youth in general, but unfortunately, it can be seen that even in the Western youth, boys tend to they uh, interrogated children as young as twelve. And uh, boys and girls would want the same thing. I mean, becoming what you said, astronauts, researchers, professors, whatever. And while asking the same group of children when they were 16, 17, girls would go for Instagram and uh, famous, rich, beautiful uh, media personality. And boys would want to go into military and to politics. So this is so sad because it also adds this element that girls are being, uh, you know, sent into this direction. But I want to come back right now and of course I will let Patricia comment on this one but I also want to come back to this idea that uh, some journalists uh, issued uh, concerns and wrote about the fact that when you make Facebook responsible for the content it will make Facebook even more powerful because unfortunately Right now, Facebook and Google and all the media giants will be the only ones that could invest huge amounts of money in moderating content. And out of this conflict, which should, we could end up with even more powerful, with an even more powerful Facebook. Right. There, um, this aspect in terms of uh, in terms of Facebook and other other companies being responsible for the the platforms that that they're on, um, this is um, generally in the U.S. refers to this law called the Communications Decency Act. So, uh, in a large sense, actually, there uh, there is already this existing apparatus for removing content that um, is uh, you know shows crimes, murders, uh, things like this, illegal, there is such a thing as illegal, um, illegal content. Um, and, uh, there is, um, uh, a section within that, however, um, and that also coincides with, uh, so there's a, there's a section within this law that essentially protects website owners from being sued over the content that's posted by, uh, by users. Mm-hmm. Um, and the passage of this law is, uh, really widely credited over, uh, creating the legal conditions that helped kick off the internet age, at least from, uh, from the U S, um, uh, within the U S context, um, and uh, this coincides. So there's there is definitely a strong portion within uh, within the U.S. Uh, U.S. government um, and um, uh, and the state that wants this overturned, uh, wants greater censorship, wants greater uh, uh, you know greater uh, greater control, um, and uh, and also that coincides with seeking to ban encryption. Um, and uh, ban uh, ban people from communicating, um, and this is something that would have um, would have international um, international impact and and aspects as well. Um, but from the uh, from the U.S. context of what that would mean was that would be that suddenly uh, you know Facebook at the moment you can't you can't sue Facebook for something that's posted on Facebook, but if all of a sudden you were able to bring forward a case in court saying um, the uh, um, I'm struggling to think of an example, but uh, the uh, the January 6th, the fascist uh, movement that was um, uh, 
that invaded U.S. Congress and uh, was seeking to overturn the uh, overturn the elections. Um, you know, there there would be a basis for suing Facebook for being the platform um, on which those uh, those organizers um, those organizers used. Um, and uh, that's, uh, you know, I think uh, I think that's one example of where, just as you're saying, of yes, Facebook would um, would be compelled just by the virtue of wanting to stay in existence, would be compelled to create a an even more stringent uh, censorship apparatus. Um, and um, I don't think that that's really the choice that as workers um, and as um, as people in the the progressive movement need to make in in the sense that. Um, that what we're calling for uh, should not be for censorship of Facebook. It should be for transparency because that censorship is already happening against the left. Uh, two or three years ago, uh, there was a uh, Unite the Right to rally called for Washington, D.C. This was about a year after the, the fascist murder of Heather Heyer um, in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, and uh, and there, was, uh, there was another call put out by, uh, by the right wing to organize and, and mobilize um, and um, answer coalition, um, act now to stop war and end racism and a number of other organizations. They, they organized a counter protest. Uh, to that, and Facebook was a critical platform uh, to uh, to organize. They had set up a, a Facebook event, um, and something like twenty thousand people had RSVP'd to this anti-fascist rally. And Facebook took it down. And that's something that you know, Section two thirty, uh, and uh, in terms of um, uh, in, in terms of Facebook creating a censorship and a, a an even bigger censorship board, uh, that's really not the question. That's really not the issue. That's not the um, you know the struggle of the left. Like our struggle is not is not for having Facebook set up these censorship boards. Um, our struggle is really for uh, for transparency, demanding transparency, um, and uh, and uh, revealing that. Yeah, and I also think that it's important for us as the left to think about how we could organize outside Facebook and outside Twitter because uh, this is a, the problem is only going to increase. This is not going to go away, right? And I feel that because we spoke about addiction, I feel that a large portion of the left is also addicted to Facebook and addicted to Twitter. And I don't want to, you know, critically comment on that right now. It's just a, you know, it's just an observation. And uh, I think that yeah, we have to acknowledge that. Uh, what happened to the anti-fascists from Charlottesville or wherever they were from, their event was taken down. Uh, you know, the left, particularly in Eastern Europe, I can see how the left is cheering when Facebook takes down, for example, some kind of right-wing event, right? Like, for example, I don't know, the March of Independence, so-called March of Independence here in Warsaw on the 11th of November, <clears throat> which is a fascist or a proto-fascist uh, event and uh, well they took down I think their event two years ago one year no I, two years it was before the pandemic so uh, yeah well okay I have really no problem with you know, I mean, I don't care whether this event or, or any event of a similar nature is going to be on Facebook or not. I really don't care. It's just, for me, it's it's a conflict between two right wings, like one, <laughs> the right wing that operates Facebook and the right wing that wants to rally uh, to a stage of fascist or semi-fascist rally in uh, on the streets of, of Warsaw, the, the capital of Poland. So for me, it doesn't matter. But I think for, uh, when the left is cheering, then they don't really understand what they're doing because they're shooting themselves in the foot that way, in a sense at least, because then they are going to want to do something on Facebook. And they uh, just for the sheer fact that Facebook doesn't like some right-wing event does not mean that they're going to embrace any left-wing event because uh, the genuine left is exactly, I mean, 
it has it demonstrates the stance that you just described like what we have to do is we don't have to we're not supposed to censor or want to censor de de desire to censor facebook what we want to do is we want transparency and we want social control over not only means of production but also means of of information and opinion sharing like facebook absolutely and and especially in terms of like talking about, you know, is it a victory if Facebook takes down an event of fascist? Well, for Facebook, Facebook, it is a victory, but for not for us, it isn't. I think Th that's absolutely right. I mean, it's is fundamentally, you know, the the real victory is in the streets. The real victory is um, is when people mobilize and organize and and uh, you know use technology with all of its limitations and use social media with all of its limitations with all of its contradictions of uh, resist some of the like you know the addictive features um, and use it to connect communicate share information and bring people into political struggle because that's fundamentally that's the only thing that's going to change uh, change in a meaningful direction in a meaningful way um, on any of these questions um, and on any of these these uh, these structures that exist on the base of society. And as long as that base is based on profit, on exploitation, on racism, on misogyny, then we'll continue to see the institutions that exist on top of that reflect those core foundational values and that we need to, uh, we need to really fight for a completely new society. Yes, uh, you managed also this time, even though we started with quite a a uh, disturbing scandal related to Felly's book to end up on a positive note. And uh, thank you very much, Patricia, for coming to our show. Thank you, Vorian, for your insightful observation and comments. And uh, to the viewers, I hope you liked our show. If you did, please go to our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash the barricade, where you can become our supporters. Thank you for much, so much for watching. Uh, stay healthy, keep fighting, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.